And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Sunday night here in the DMV. We now know who is going to the Super Bowl. The San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs will uh, be there in Las Vegas for a rematch of, what, the 2019 Super Bowl. But what matters most to people listening to this podcast, most likely, is the fact that the Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens both lost, which means the potential coaching candidates on those two teams are now eligible to be hired this week by the Commanders, one of two teams with a head coach vacancy still in play. I'm going to tell you guys what's going on here, what to expect this week. And this week also includes... The Senior Bowl starts really on Tuesday down in Mobile, Alabama. I am heading down there for the Athletic to give us a little bit of a head start on some names to keep an eye on. My guy, Denton Day, who is on the Kevin Sheehan show on the Team 980, also covers college football over on Sirius. Denton joined me this weekend to break down some of the names to watch. We discussed also a lot about the options at number two, for Washington, namely the quarterbacks. Uh, there won't be Caleb Williams or Jaden Daniels or Drake May in Mobile, but there will be some other quarterbacks that could go in the first round, not to mention tons of other prospects. So we'll get to all that in a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Make sure you subscribe. I appreciate that. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you do your podcasting. I greatly appreciate everybody who does subscribe. You know, I say this all the time, but especially this time of year, it is going to be a busy, busy uh, stretch for all of us. Who knows when news will break? So if you have, uh, if you have the podcast, uh, subscribe. If you subscribe to the podcast, you will be set whenever we drop one uh, for sure. Uh, so, all right, let's get to, and also of course, subscribe to the Athletic. Uh, I'll have stories up there. Throughout the week, uh, especially once they have a coach in place. All right, let's get to the, the coaches. I, I don't have to get too much into the games themselves today. Obviously, an epic comeback by San Francisco down 24-7 at halftime to the Lions. Uh, ben Johnson was calling a really good game, I thought, uh, in the first half. And I'm not even saying it was bad in the second but once the 49ers started getting momentum, the Lions just started making one mistake after another. Multiple dropped uh, passes that were there, and uh, the, the Niners just get, got the momentum for sure. The other game, the Ravens just really never... I mean, it was only 17-10, to 10, but it felt like it was much worse than that. The Ravens just uh, imploded in numerous ways throughout the game. Now... Their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who is one of the top candidates, you know, you could say he had actually a pretty good game. After Kansas City got off to a good start, they didn't score any in the second half. The Ravens' defense did better than just their offense was just kind of a mess throughout the game. Now, all that said, you can, you know, there's lots of different places to listen to uh, championship game talk, including on the athletics football show. Uh, you can go check that out. I was on that show last week or so, uh, talking with the coaches, and uh, possibly could be back there again once they make an announcement. Now, here's where we're at. Monday and Tuesday are when we're expecting these next round of interviews to occur. So as a reminder, Washington inter uh, requested uh, interviews with seven outside candidates right after, you know, in, in the days right after Ron Rivera was let go. They also interviewed offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy in person. The initial round of interviews were all virtual. They are now going to take place 
in person. Washington has already met in person with Houston offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. They met with Raheem Morris, who has now been named head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, who could take him off the board. So that leaves five candidates. The expectations for Monday are the two Baltimore candidates, McDonald and Ravens defensive line coach and associate head coach Anthony Weaver. On Tuesday, expectation is Ben Johnson meeting takes place in Detroit. Presumably, that's also where the Aaron Glenn meeting takes place, the Lions defensive coordinator. And then also on Tuesday, Dan Quinn, Dallas defensive coordinator, is meeting with Washington in Washington. I, I don't know if that's definitively Ashburn versus the stadium, but I'm sure it is Ashburn rather than the stadium. Um, so these should all be done by Tuesday. Now, does that mean we'll have a, a an announcement sometime Tuesday or Wednesday? Not necessarily, but the way these just hirings have gone in general, teams don't screw around too much like once they know. Now, of course, in this case, there's only two teams left, Washington and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the there are some there are some overlapping candidates here. Like it wouldn't stun me if Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald get the two last spots. Dan Quinn wouldn't surprise me necessarily either, although a little bit more than it would have um, a week or so ago. Beyond that. I mean, at least from the Washington perspective, I would think one of those three would be the coach. I don't really see it being Bobby Slowick. There just hasn't been much buzz around Aaron Glenn, uh, so I don't see that. Uh, Weaver, you know, maybe he makes more sense as the defensive coordinator for Washington rather than the head coach. Um, so, and and the enemy, you know, I just don't see that happening really at all and if it is if they do hire an offensive minded head coach i don't see Bienemy sticking around again i don't really see him sticking around regardless but just sort of playing uh playing it out here so what does this mean so here's what i think is interesting every most people that i've talked to seem to think it's going to be ben johnson some have said it fairly emphatically you've listened to other i know you guys you know you cheat on me you listen to other podcasts uh, and, you know, I think a lot of people are probably saying the exact same thing, that it seems like it's Ben Johnson. I know some people are just saying it's definitely Ben Johnson, meaning like media people. And I've been cautious to say that I don't know that that's 100 percent true, largely because Johnson is still taking meetings with other teams, whereas Adam Peters did not. He met with Washington and that was it. Now, Seattle has met with Ben Johnson previously. Um, the, the I have not heard their exact schedule as to what their plans are. I haven't even definitively heard if they're having a second meeting with him, but it does feel like things are heading in that direction. What is curious about it is is a few things. One, I I just think Washington would be a much better job than Seattle. Now, obviously, Seattle's organization has been more successful over the last you know decade plus than Washington, but you know new ownership here and all that. Seattle's uh, obviously is changing their head coach. Their quarterback is Geno Smith, who's a fine player, but he's not a long-term answer, and he's not one of the you know better quarterbacks in the league. So it doesn't seem like automatically like that's a great starting place compared to Washington, whereas we know it's sort of this blank slate. You have the number two pick, a lot of cap space, you know, some some positive vibes with Adam Peters involved, not to mention Josh Harris. All that said, so it doesn't seem likely that Ben Johnson would pick Seattle. Again, I'm just going to assume that the money and the contracts are all relatively equal. Seattle has a, a full-throated GM in John Schneider, who's done a really good job you know, historically for them. But what's weird is Seattle never interviewed Mike McDonald to this point. Whether they have interest or not, they haven't interviewed him yet. And the, and the thing about the... The process, and don't quote me on all of this, but my understanding is you basically have to meet with the coach twice in order for to get this done, and you also have to meet with others um, multiple times. Now, you can the fact that the Ravens are out of the playoffs means I guess that they could now have a couple of meetings this week. But prior to the Ravens losing, the thought was if they win, you know, then what does Seattle do? They're having to wait a couple more weeks for a guy who. They haven't even talked to yet. Um, that seems kind of weird. 
Seattle has interviewed other people. Uh, Evero, the defensive coordinator with the Panthers. Uh, Mike Kafka, Giants offensive coordinator. A couple others. And Dan Quinn has felt like he's the leading candidate, except that they could have hired Dan Quinn at any point over the last week, and they chose to wait. It seems that they would be waiting for somebody that was coaching this weekend, and the logical names would be Johnson and McDonald. But again, McDonald, they just hadn't met with yet. So are they really waiting on a guy that they, that they didn't even interview the first week when they had an opportunity to do so just by you know by Zoom, not even in person? So there was some reports about the interest in McDonald. But like I said, the fact that they hadn't even met with him yet would make me think that Ben Johnson is maybe more in play. And I don't want to. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've heard. Oh, the Seattle's desperately wants Ben Johnson. I'm not going to say any of that. But I will say that there's been enough of a buzz coming out of Seattle that I've had multiple people that I know who are paying attention to the Seahawks or in that area or what have you asking me like, "Hey, is this really in play? Could you?" I thought he was going to Washington. So again, I think that is the most likely outcome that Ben Johnson is coming to the Commanders. But we're not there yet. Um, and that's all I'm saying. You heard, and presumably some of you saw that Adam Schefter put out a report on Saturday saying, hey, everybody's assuming Ben Johnson's coming to D.C., but you know, the sources are saying that's not necessarily a, a true, that they're, they're still, you know, there's still several candidates in play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't imagine, like I said, I would imagine he is the front runner, but, you know, I've been giving you guys, you know, this, you know, don't throw the parade just yet. Let's see how this plays out. And, you know, even to the very end here, only one other team to go. And it's still interesting w the way the board looks. Doesn't mean he wouldn't come here. I'm just saying it is not, I don't know what Seattle is doing. And that makes it interesting for what Washington is up to. So all that said, we might hear something as soon as Tuesday night. If it is, in fact, uh, Ben Johnson or you know, I would think maybe by Wednesday there's a final conclusion, unless there is really a deadlock and they have and they need more time for some reason to figure these things out. Uh, there is, while the head coaching thing they they can kind of choose from the field at this point, you still do have to hire a staff. And if we presume that they're going to get rid of most of the staff here, meaning the coaching staff, then you've got to get going. And I know that. You know, if Ben Johnson really is the answer, then he presumably has already had his feelers out to guys that he would like to bring in or people he'd like to bring in. So, um, you know, maybe some people are, you know, they know what the, what their next step is and it doesn't really matter how quickly you move. But I, I don't know that that's, you know, definitively the case. And like I said, if there is an, any debate about what's going on, some people, some coaches might say, hey, we got to we got to move on here. Um, I know a lot of people ask, well, what what do you think they're going to do? with some of their other, you know, with their coordinators or whatever. Uh, it, you know, look, it, it, it's hard to say. The easiest thing to do is, as we all want to do, look back at, the, at say, Ben Johnson's career and see who are coaches that have worked with him currently or in the past that could that maybe make some sense. Um, there's been some reporting from the NFL Network about Johnson bringing Lions offensive co uh, coach Hank Fraley to D.C. Maybe that's as offensive coordinator it's a good point to to mention here. If with Johnson, if that's the way it is as the head coach, he is the play caller, just the way that Andy Reid was when Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator. So the offensive coordinator is going to have not the same normal responsibilities that we we sometimes associate with that person. Just like Bieniemy this year called plays, but with Kansas City, he did not. Uh, so Fraley or really anybody for that OC role would really be just there to sort of, you know, help, um, you know, cr you know, design the offense, set up the offense, you know, contemplate what to do. But ultimately Johnson would be the one, unless something radical happens, calling the plays. I assume it would be the same on defense with Mike McDonald. I don't know for sure what that would look like with Dan Quinn, but um, yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's, um, so, so that's that's one name to consider. Uh, Daryl Bevel, who's the quarterback coach with the Dolphins, also previously was in Detroit as the OC when uh, Ben Johnson got to the staff. Uh, on the 
you know, so those are just some names uh, on the defensive side. I don't, uh, I don't have any idea that this would be the, the case. It's like we don't, we don't know who they, you know, who they would be interested in, because that you know, we're not that far down the line. I'm just curious if Chris Harris gets a look, the, the defensive backs coach here who left after the 2022 season to go have a, a more expanded role with the Titans, but the Titans are now making, uh, you know, they just made a new change with a new head coach. So I imagine their staff is looking around. Harris has gotten some some uh, defensive coordinator interviews. It would be a little bit much, I think, to maybe have all that inexperience with a first-time head coach and a first-time defensive coordinator. But Harris would have an in- insight into the defense overall that new coaches wouldn't because he's been around this team, obviously, for a few years. Uh, so I think that's a name I would at least for me, it's not a name. It's not being rumored. It's not, if you're going to aggregate, I'm not saying that they're interested. I'm just saying to me, I think that would be an interesting one. Um, I mentioned Evro before he and Ben Johnson have the same agent. So, you know, sometimes that can be, um, the connection to, to, to get a deal done if Carolina is willing to let him leave. So, um, yeah, so we'll see more about that in the coming days, including will anybody be staying from the current staff? And then the, the some point here, Peters is going to get going with the front office as well. Uh, speaking of that, my guess is that we will see in Mobile the usual staff, i.e. the scouts and I guess the Martin Mayhews and Marty Herneys of the world. My understanding is that none of the coaches are going. Last year, there was a fairly good-sized contingent because you had coaches who were working in the game, including Travell Wharton and Jennifer King. And then you had, like, Jack Del Rio was there. Brett Wieselmeyer was there. Probably some others I'm just blanking on at the moment. But there were some coaches there. I, this time, my understanding is there may not be any coaches there uh, because, you know, there just may not be. The, you know, the, this is not really their world, per se you know, uh, in terms of the scouting and, you know, at this point, they're just waiting for a new coach to then make some determinations about who to keep and who to move on from. All right. So, um, so that's where we're at. Maybe by the time we do another podcast, there will be, uh, smoke coming from the Vatican saying who the new coach is. But for now, Monday, Tuesday, expect interviews with the remaining candidates for their in-person interviews. And then, we start to wonder how co- how close everybody is to an announcement and whether all the Ben Johnson rumors are real or whether there is really some last-second action still going on here with this group. Hey, and uh, one last thing before we get to Denton. Uh, obviously, I did a bunch of uh, interviews and podcasts last week, but one I, th- I would say, if you missed it, to go back to, one I did with my colleague at The Athletic, Ted Wynn, who is one of our film breakdown uh, analysts, we talked a lot about Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald to get a feel from him as to what those what their offenses and defenses are about. And I even asked him who he would pick of the two, if uh, all things being equal. And uh, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation. So re- with regarding what the decision might be, I would encourage you to check that out if you missed it the first time. All right, uh, here is uh, let's get into some Senior Bowl talk. Uh, again, Denton Day joined me. We talked about uh, the number two pick. What we would, where we, where we kind of stand there right now, that with what Washington should do, and we get into prospects to consider, both in terms of who will be in, at the Senior Bowl, but also just in general, some positions. You know, we can sit here and say they need the team needs certain positions, but are those strengths this year, or uh, are they going to have to really sort of? Uh, find one of the diamonds in the rough because it's not considered to be a really good class. We will uh, we will discuss all that. We'll do that right now here on the Stand to Groom Only podcast. All right, this is a role reversal situation. Normally, my guest today is the one hitting me up to come on with, uh, with him and Kevin Sheehan over on the Team 980 every Monday and Friday. Basically at noon, I go on there and talk to the, to the fellas. He's also the host of the College Football Overtime on Serious XM College and a guy who talks all about college football. Denton Day at the Denton Day on uh, on Twitter. Did you mind talking about sports when you're not working? Like you know, I'm I'm bugging you. Like do you mind? Like I gotta keep talking about sports. 
No, I, I don't mind it at all. Also, uh, very heavy quotations on the basically at noon. It's usually around 12.05 where you, where you get the call because clock integrity, uh, not the strongest with the Kevin Sheehan show. But we appreciate you joining. I'm happy to be here, man. I love like I love this time. I'm a big senior bowl guy and I love like the lead up to the draft. So I, I'll talk about this all day. Have you been that to, to that or, or to the combine? I mean, it's not it's not easy to get into the start, but you can. Have you been any of those things? No, I, I haven't. I'd love to get down to uh, to Mobile. Um, I think that's the only time I'd ever want to be in Mobile, Alabama. No disrespect to the area. I just don't know what else is, is going on down there. I'd love to go to the Combine, though. I'm sure you've heard of, of St. Elmo's before. I've been there once. It's a legendary steakhouse. I'd love to go to the Combine and have somebody else pay the bill uh, for St. Elmo's because it's not cheap. But uh, soon, soon I'll get down to to the Combine or up to the Combine and then down to the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're, you know, obviously I like doing the mock drafts and all that, the the watching the guys in practice and being like, oh, look at the way that guy jumped off the, you know, <laughs> jumped out of his stance or, you know, great hand positioning on that catch. OK, I, I, I'll leave that to the experts. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a cool it's a cool setup for sure. I think this is the fourth time I'm going. Um, I'm, I'm expecting while I'm there that they're going to name a head coach here. Two years ago, I was there when they officially said it was huh. going to be the commanders. I was standing like right next to Kenny Pickett uh, at the 2021 one. So now yeah. I'm probably going to be, you know, in there asking some random prospects. So um, what are your thoughts on Ben Johnson? <laughs> um, I guess that is where we're headed with Ben Johnson. But well, anyway, we're going to talk about the senior bowl. Denton's going to give us some names to keep an eye on. But we'll, I, I do want to start with the number two pick because – the senior bowl, a lot of good prospects, not necessarily the guys at the top of the draft. This is sort of to get a feel for a lot of others, some first rounders, perhaps for sure, but not necessarily the guys at the top. So there won't be Caleb Williams. There won't be Drake May. There won't be Jaden Daniels or anybody else who we might come up with as a candidate for two. You and Kevin talk about this a lot. Obviously, of course you do. And we'll talk about it even more once we get past the coaching. Where are you at right now for you with like your number two? Uh, pick what, what where's your head at right now so I'm definitely in the direction of quarterback um I know there are some people that are vehement on trading back I had thought that died down a little bit and then we ran a poll and my Twitter mentions blow up blew up about hey we need to trade back I'm not there I think you draft a quarterback I think the options that are going to be available are, are Drake May and Jaden Daniels I've been a heavy Jaden Daniels guy really since early October he played a really good game against Missouri where he, he left for a possession or two he was still in that in that point in his uh his tenure this year where he was putting his body on the line a little too much but you can kind of see in real time him adjusting a little bit so I've been a heavy Jaden Daniels guy but as we are leading up to the the, the combine and then ultimately the NFL draft I've started to watch a, a little more Drake May tape obviously i'm familiar with north carolina but i wasn't sitting down and watching unc games over like Alabama lsu that's just that's just not what was uh relevant in college football at the time he can do some things though like there are a lot of reasons to be really excited uh, about drake may i think um dare i say small-brained individuals are going to immediately compare drake may to sam howell because of where they went to school right. and they'll compare him to mitch trubisky because of uh, where they went to school but i think drake's a much better prospect than those other two guys he has a raw talent he's huge he can run and i've i've just watched some of his his games this year re-watched him man he can sling it like like he has a really comfortable throwing motion where he can just launch that thing down the field and it doesn't look like he's trying on top of that his foot works really good so i've liked what i've seen when i've gone back and watched drake may but i Jaden Daniels is a tough guy to pass up. I think he's going to really get some love as we lead up to the draft because they're going to fall in love with the person. He is we've had a we've had our share, you know, we've had our share of ego guys in in town at quarterback. Uh, I don't think he's that. He has a Heisman trophy uh, on his uh, on his mantle, so we'll get compared to the dude in 2012, but as far as personality goes, I think he's at the very opposite end of the spectrum from uh from old Bobby Three Sticks. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I hear you on that. I look forward to diving in more into him. I mean, this is going to be obviously the the the, the main topic in town once they get past the coaching situation uh, all the way through the draft. You know, back in 2020, when they took Chase Young number two, you know, for all the talk now about, oh, Tua and Justin Herbert, it was pretty much, okay, the, the, it's Chase Young is going number two. Mm -hmm. We don't have to relitigate that. My point is that for those of us who like to do mock drafts and debates, <laughs> really wasn't you had really gin something up to try to be like well you know 
if they decide to uh, you know trade down, etc. I think this time, at least for now, it does feel like there's going to be more of a debate. I, I was mm-hmm. I can't remember what the topic was, but there was one topic. Maybe it was whether Sam Howe was going to start or uh, maybe it was who they were going to draft last year at 16. But like you and me and Kevin, like every week was like, OK, where are you at now? And I, I don't know if we really kept track or not, but we sort of sort of did. I, I don't know if if it would get tiring, but like maybe there's something to be de- to be done for. All right. what what What's most interesting for you at number two this week? And maybe it is Daniels or I'll, I'll imagine there'll be at some point there'll be some rumor, some team picking seven. Ooh, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know they're willing to trade their whole draft to move up to uh, number two, according to sources or whatever it is. So maybe something that will change, but I, I think that could be fun because Daniels is definitely going to get steam. Um, just the more exciting player, especially in today's modern NFL. That's people are going to be more excited about him than Drake May is going to be my guess. Yeah, I, I think so, especially once people kind of familiar, familiarize um, themselves with him. Because once LSU lost to to Alabama, they kind of dropped from like national relevance. So if you're just a casual college football fan, like you weren't watching LSU versus Florida when Jaden Daniels himself had like 600 yards of total offense. So like I understand why why casual fans maybe have missed that. I am a little curious because you, you talk about rumors and we get this every single year, right? I am curious if Chicago if we get a rumor about them falling in love with Drake May, like the we're anticipating that they are going to to draft Caleb Williams as we sit here now in, in January. But if we get to to March and maybe he has a bad interview or someone just really wants to stir the pot a little bit, some of these rumors, as you know, are they just kind of like come from like a Reddit page. And for whatever reason, that is a, a source to people nowadays. So someone will say something on Reddit and they just run with it. But well, I am curious. Or there's the what happened with CJ Stroud last year. It obviously, it didn't affect his draft at two, but that te- that that yeah. test about how he's apparently what what it was about his like the quarterback's ability to like see the field basically right, and he right. supposedly which, scored terribly low, which you know who knows. But that obviously didn't matter to Houston, but that was a story, right? Like that that um the not the uh, what's it called? This is the S two? Right? Yeah, the the test where I've taken like a sample one of those. Um, it's not a lot of stuff about football. It's like math problems and such. And I don't really care if my quarterback knows how to do fractions because he's not looking at fractions when he's dropping back in the pocket. So you'll, you'll get some stuff of that where like Drake may will be hot for a week. Jaden will be hot for a week to maybe they're going to go number one, but I think Caleb is going to go number two. And then for the, for the team in, in town, you just got to figure out who you like more between Drake Mayer or Jane Daniels. Right. For sure. All right. So we'll, we'll talk more about that, but in terms of, you know, um, the, the notion of the trade down, just just to quickly, I don't really know where this would even go, right? I mean, if New England wants to, unless New England definitely wants one, you know, somebody who they fear Washington would take, you're not trading down with them. The Cardinals, if they seem to be, if they believe that they're going to stay with Kyler Murray and just draft mm-hmm. possibly Marvin Harrison Jr., they're not looking to trade. The right. Chargers have Herbert. They're not looking to trade. Even if the Giants wanted to trade, you're not trading – with no. that, with a team for a quarterback who might screw you for the next decade, you're not doing that. The Titans at seven, maybe they do have Will Levis, um, and I guess Malik Willis still. So perhaps, but I would guess they're not going to. Atlanta at eight gets interesting, but this is maybe where Justin Fields comes in uh, as a trade. The Bears are again at nine. The Jets are at ten. Like I don't know where you're trading down. It's not too many spots to trade down to stay in a top ten. Pick not that that has to be the determination, but you know at some point you can't drop down too far. It just gets insane from a value perspective. So even if they wanted to trade down, does that I mean does any of that you know sound particularly interesting? I just don't know where they would go. Yeah, I mean like maybe Tennessee, but you know if you're trading down, you you do have to ask the question of who are they going to trade up for. So unless you fall in love. And it gotta be a it gotta be a real kind of love that I'm searching for in life with like a Bo Nix or like a Michael Penix or JJ McCarthy or whoever. If you trade out at number two, you are running the risk of not getting any of uh, of the top three unless you swat unless you can convince kind of do what San Francisco did when Chicago trained it up one pick for Mitch Trubisky. Unless you can convince the, the Patriots to do that, and then you still end up getting uh, your guy maybe that that'll work you can kind of swindle them because they're in a new phase but outside of that like I guess Tennessee would be the only viable one but I would I certainly wouldn't trade back with like an Atlanta that that's just too far back and then you as you mentioned you open the door for a team like New York 
who you're going to have to deal with for the next couple of years to, to potentially steal a quarterback from you. Because Lord knows, uh, I mean, they don't really have their situation, you know, ironed out, right? Like they're paying Daniel Jones, but I'm not a massive Daniel Jones guy. And I would assume after a year or two, they'd be able to move out of that contract. So you'd open them up to potentially go up and take either Jane Daniels or, or Drake May. And then you're sitting there wondering if if Bo Nix is worth being drafted this high. The, um, so the thing would be if you trade outside the top four and we let's just assume that in some order it's going to be Williams, May, Daniels, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. What you're then saying is you're down with getting what comes next. And what comes next is is possibly two of the big wide receivers, Malik Neighbors and uh, Udunze from Washington, or the two tackles, Joe Alt and Fashana from Penn State. Now, mm-hmm. if they were to do that, just for argument's sake, we're just we're, we're just having fun here, people. This is when it becomes okay. If you're trading down and getting more stuff, are you then looking at a quarterback later down the list? And the names that come after these top three, in some order, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, Bo Nix from Oregon. Nix and Penix are going to be in uh, Mobile. If you're mm-hmm. just writing a story about the event, those two guys will get probably the most headlines i guess it feels like their their range is kind of all over the place there are some people who think you know they could be among the better quarterbacks in this draft but it feels right now they're more like late first mm-hmm. early second um Penix is a fascinating prospect because when he's on he's really on but he's a little bit older he's had some injury history right. a little bit erratic where are you at right now in terms of those three quarterbacks it should whether it's washington trading down or just the idea of of where these guys go his quarterbacks are you know fun to, to discuss so where are you at with those three guys right now yeah the, the Bo Nix thing is fascinating because I've seen a mock draft that had him going I think like eight but then I've also seen a mock draft of him going at 36 so like the range for him in particular is really hard to kind of wrestle with I think he would be my favorite of the next three uh JJ McCarthy is weird and polarizing because there are some people that really love him but there are a lot of people that really don't and I feel like the people that do not love him have watched a lot of Michigan this year where he didn't seem to be absolutely necessary like they had such a good run game they had such a good defense he was like option number three for what they were trying to do as a team it almost feels like they're kind of going back to what he was supposed to be you know coming out of high school he was a five-star he was he was hyped up and there's a reason that Michigan went with him over Cade McNamara but when you turn the film on I don't know if you necessarily see uh, the guy that was hyped up to be so my preference of those would be Bo Nix I really like Michael Penix as a dude but you have to kind of look at his his career arc in college football and as you mentioned he, he has some injuries he's he's old but on top of that he's been in you know, more or less of the same offense for the entirety of his college career, which really showed this year. It's one of the reasons why he had so much success and why he was a Heisman finalist. But I do wonder if you draft him early and then attempt to maybe make some adjustments or it's not the exact same offense that he was running. I don't know what that learning curve is going to be. And he doesn't have the athleticism or he doesn't utilize it as much because of those injuries. So I think if you, if you draft Michael Penix, you have to be able to form fit an offense to him. And I do believe that as a coach, like you should be form fitting your offense to your personnel, but I I don't know if, it's a lot easier for me to look at a Jaden Daniels or Drake May and say, let's form fit to them versus looking at Michael Penix, who, as you mentioned, when he's on, he's on. But when he's off, he's really easy to fluster. I don't know if I could latch everything onto him and say, this is going to be the guy of the future and the fir- really the first quarterback of the Josh Harris era. You know, uh, you meant, you, I think you sort of mentioned this earlier, but, uh, or, or, or inferred this, but like, you know, if you have the opportunity to draft a quarterback at two, not force it. I'm like, I'm not a big JJ McCarthy fan. If somehow it was just Caleb Williams and then who, you know, no, no, no May, no Daniels, well, then who's number two? Who's got to go top five? Like, I wouldn't force the issue. Right. But if you think somebody is there that's worthy, even pretty close to being worthy, you're going to really have to take a, a hard, hard look at it, if not actually make the pick, in part because you don't know what the next year is going to be. I just looked at, like, pulled up a 2025 mock draft. Obviously, that means nothing. But <laughs> just in terms of like the current the prospects, there were only two uh, going off the board in the top fifteen, and the second one was like twelve. It was a uh, Sidor Sanders one, and then yeah, something else. So my point is like, who? There's no guarantee that there will be quarterbacks available the next year, nor is there a guarantee 
that you'll be in that position. They had to, this team had to lose the last eight games, <laughs> right? To get there one, even just one win, it would still have been a terrible five win season and they don't get the second pick. So there's no guarantee. So if you really like one of these guys, you have to make that call though. But that would be also, unless you think that Bo Nix or one of the, or, or, or Penix is worthy, then all right, you, you know, you, that, then, then you build up your, your draft stockpile. You take that, you take that guy a bit later. Um, but yeah, you'd really have to like that guy to feel comfortable. Not to mention, like you have to guarantee you get him right. If you like one of these players, you have to guarantee that you're in a position, right, um, to get him. So that's it's going to be a really fast. Day. What, what's your guess right now on January 27th? How many quarterbacks go in the first? I think four will go in the first. I think it'll be the top three. And I think they might go in the top three picks. And then I do think that Bo Nix gets drafted in the first round. So I'm pretty confident that four will go. And I think J.J. McCarthy will be an early second round pick. And Michael Penix will kind of be a mid a mid second round pick. But I think like the reason Bo Nix is going to the senior bowl is because he wants to meet with teams and Bo Nix is, he is going to win a lot of people over. I, I got the opportunity to, to talk with him a little bit at media day for the uh, Fiesta bowl. Uh, when they were playing my, my squad liberties before you torch my boys. Um, but I got to talk to him and like, I understood all of the hype immediately in like a five minute conversation. Like he's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He knows what he's, He's a good football player. He understands uh, the game at a high level. So I think teams are really going to fall in love with him once they get the opportunity to sit down and talk with him. Um, all right. So if we pivot towards the senior ball, so like I said, those two quarterbacks will be the ones mm-hmm. who'll get a lot of attention. Some people may focus on a guy like Spencer Rattler, who was the big deal of <laughs> Oklahoma before. Oh, can you imagine if Ron Rivera was still coach two years ago? He's supposed to be the number one overall pick, and we got him now in the eighth round. Uh, hey, oh yeah, you built. You wouldn't believe what uh, PFF graded him at back in the twenty twenty one season. Um, no, funny, funny jokes. Uh, all right, um, but yeah, no, but like anyway, a guy like that's uh, you know, he's got a lot of name recognition, and you know, the yeah. type of flyer some team might might want to take somewhere later in the later rounds. Um, but there are some players, as I said, who are going to be picked in the first round that will be in Mobile, not necessarily a position of not necessarily on the board where like it's realistic that Washington would get them unless there's a trade down, but who are the couple guys for you? Like sort of the, the higher end beyond the quarterbacks that you're really intrigued to see, not even just from Washington's perspective, but just overall. Yeah. So the, so the one guy that I'm really interested in on defense, well, there, there's two guys on defense specifically, but the one guy is the edge rusher out of UCLA. Layatu Latu. He was really, really good. He wasn't necessarily, if you pay attention to mock drafts at the beginning of the season, he wasn't mocked exceptionally high, but through his play in a a Pac-12 this year that was uh, in its final year, but the best that it had been in in years, he really jumped off the the screen. So I'm curious, uh, he's going to be in Mobile, so I'm curious to see what his week is going to be like, how he's going to practice in front of those coaches, and what he's going to do when he's meeting with with coaches. I think there's some upside there if you are in the, the position where for the commanders you want to trade back and you can get more guys obviously the team needs edge edge rushers we saw that when they traded you know chase young and montez sweat and then barely got a sack for the rest of the year so i think i'm really intrigued in seeing what what he is going to do the next guy isn't really a need for the commanders but i just love watching big human beings and tamandre sweat the uh the nose tackle defensive tackle from texas he's a massive human being but he's also an athletic freak like they used him in certain offensive packages which is crazy where he was catching touchdowns in the big 12 championship because steve sarkeesian was a madman but he is he is one of the reasons why texas was able to to really fluster alabama all the way back in week two of the college football season they just didn't really have an answer for him so i'm excited to see him play i think he's really going to shine this week um, your to your point. So, but with Latua, I'm looking here at Dane Brugler's last mock draft. This is a couple few weeks ago, at least. But uh, yeah, I think right after the season. Uh, so he's got Latua going 11 to the Vikings. For what it's worth, he had Drake May going two to Washington. Uh, but he had him going 11 there. Look, obviously, Washington needs pass rushers. Um, and putting the first round part of it aside, I think the real interesting debate over time is going to be. Like, I always try to look at the mock drafts as like, it's not always about do I think, because I'm not pretending that I have like these personal grades on all these players. <laughs> but, in, but in terms of 
what a team is going to do. Like at that early second round pick Washington has, we all can sit here and say, look, I got to take a tackle. They got to improve the line, all these things. And obviously we know free agency will have already happened. So maybe they signed somebody, but the question is also what, what is the, what is the strength of each position? And it sounds like the offensive line tackle in particular is pretty deep this year. Whereas like with pass rushers, you know, you're the guy you just said, UCLA kid, he might be the first, uh, he or, or Dallas Turner from Alabama might be the first edge guy off the board, mm-hmm. and they might not go until 9, 10, 11, and it's not a, a group that has a lot of options. So I really wonder, when we get to that beginning of that second round, if it is, you know, they got to take, if they're going to address one of those spots, do they ultimately take the best player, or do they take, well, we're not going to find a better defensive end than even close to this later, so let's go with this guy. Yeah, the defensive end class is, is one of the weaker ones. Like, say what you want to say uh, about Chase, and obviously he didn't work here, but it was it was a, a non-start. Like, he was the best defensive end in that class, bar none. And then Will Anderson last year, like, we're so accustomed to seeing great defensive ends. Aiden Hutchinson a couple years ago, there really isn't one of those this year. A lot of people thought that Jared Verse out of FSU was going to be that guy at the start of the season. And he had a really good season for Florida State, but he did not have the Will Anderson-esque Chase Young, Nick Bosa, whoever. He didn't have that kind of season. So he's fallen a little bit in some of those mock drafts. I would imagine he's probably probably around like 15 to 20, maybe outside uh, of the top 20, where he was projected at the beginning of the year, I think as a top five pick. So that class is a little weaker. But as you mentioned, the tackles are, there's a lot of strength in in that class, which really makes me excited about the Montez Sweat pick, because I think Washington will have an opportunity to address that in the second round. And, you know, obviously Chicago won a few more games than we would have liked them to win at the end of the season. So that pick won't be as great as we had anticipated, but they'll have an opportunity to get somebody uh, potentially at the tackle position that they'll be able to plug and play almost uh, immediately. And there's, I mean, I got four names for you, Ben, that are going to be in Mobile for people to watch. Everybody knows like the Joe Waltz uh, and that, but uh, Tyler Guyton, a tackle from Oklahoma, is going to be in Mobile this week. Patrick Paul, a tackle from Utah. Graham Barton, uh, the tackle from Duke. And then Jordan Morgan, the tackle from Arizona. All four of those guys are going to be there uh, this weekend. And all four of them theoretically should be available in the second round when Washington is picking. So I hope that when you're down there and we find out more information, like I hope that the personnel for the commanders is spending a significant amount of time watching and getting to know these guys and deciding, are we going to use our, our first second round pick on, on one of these four guys? Should they be available? Patrick Paul, right? You just said him, the uh, tackle from Houston, mm-hmm. his brother yeah. is Chris Paul. Hey, brotherly love, baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I uh I I can't uh it would be a fun story if that were to happen I can't comprehend at the moment that Chris Paul would be the starting anywhere but left guard uh yeah. you got to figure that they got to make some moves uh there but um yeah no I mean that's you know yeah they've got two picks um in the what is it in the top uh I should know this by now in the top uh 30 no in the top 40 yeah two yeah three in the top 46 in the top 102 they're gonna be you know you can find and that's what was one thing that made last year so so frustrating for a lot of people is that you know the first half of the year they don't use their second round pick at all even though i thought Quan martin looked better as the year went on Mm -hmm. third round pick forget the fact that ricky stromberg got hurt they weren't even playing him at the position that they drafted him and then Braden daniels the fourth round pick you know, this was a, was a looked overmatched in training camp and ends up on right. IR. Those 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 rounds should be helpful. I'm not saying Pro Bowlers. I'm not even saying starters, but they should be helpful. And with a hundred, with you know, six picks in the top 102, you know, they if they if they do this right, they should be able to hit a lot of needs. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see not just obviously who they take, but when they take them and how. And it'll say a lot of things about how they view the draft and and some of the depth. Um. Uh, what other positions? So tight end. Okay, tight end. I'm fascinated by a tight end. I don't know if I'm uh, springing that on you. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was like, got like Brock Bowers, the Georgia kid. If Washington had been in that sort of number five range, that might yeah. be a guy that we'd be talking about. I think that would be a pretty intriguing um, 
to go for a playmaker like that, but that's not going to be the case barring the unforeseen. So the question is, are they going to ever find someone? What, 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 what's your just general sense of this tight end class? And is there anybody down here? Yes. And if, if, if it's, it, you're, you're giving me the look like it's either bleak or uh... it's bleak. It's uh it's really, really bleak. There's not a lot of um, now, obviously. So like, uh, Iowa offense, not very good this year. Their best tight end gets hurt. So you're like, ah, damn it. You can usually count on them to give us a good tight end in the NFL right. draft. But like, if you're not going to be in the market for for Brock Bowers, uh, I mean, Ben Sinnott from, from Kansas State, he'll be at the Senior Bowl th- this weekend. But you're looking at getting him in like, you know, fourth round. Maybe he drops to, to the fifth round. Jaheim Bell of Florida State uh, should be there this weekend as, as well. Those guys will be available, but you're not really going to you're not going to swing a lot of people with how great the draft class is by like drafting one of those guys the you know Brock Bowers is very clearly the best tight end uh, that's going to be available and then after that it is a it's a relatively it's a relatively weaker class it just wasn't a great a uh, great season for tight ends I mean Cade Stover will be he'll be someone that you can look at I don't think he's going to be um in mobile this weekend. So you won't really get an opportunity to, to meet and talk with him, but he'll be around probably like the second or third round, but it's just not a, an exceptionally great class uh, of tight ends, which is unfortunate because obviously Washington needs a, a true number one tight end. Maybe Armani Rogers is healthy this year and he can be that guy. I know they had high hopes for him last year, but if you're looking to solve that problem immediately in the draft this year, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw a ton of money down on that one. Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, look, that's the other thing. You, you can't solve all your problems in, in one year. I mean, once in a blue moon, somebody gets lucky, but did you, like Houston kind of did this year. But in general, that that isn't. So you have to do the best you can. But that's definitely a position. They can't come back with the same group. I don't imagine no. that they would, but they've got to figure out a way to get, you know, even if it's somebody who's just a a dominant blocker, something of a difference maker has got to happen here. Obviously, pre- pre- preferably somebody who can catch some passes as well. Um, all right, everybody loves sleepers. Do you have a guy that, like, for you is, like, you're, you're looking at the senior bowl list and you're like, boy, this guy should be talked about more. I think he's going to have a – he's got these – this offseason, he's got a chance to be a breakout guy or something. Who, who are who are one or two guys like that for you? Uh, so there's a couple. One of them is a defensive back, which is prevalent to to our team. Uh, I really like Kalen King at a, at a Penn State. He's going to be there this weekend. Uh, he was not as projected as high when I was looking at some mock drafts and some big boards uh, earlier this morning. He's not projected as high as I anticipated, but I do think there is uh, some really good natural tendencies there. So if you can get him in this defense and you know you hire a good defensive coordinator, I think you'll be able to utilize him. He played on that Penn State secondary, and that Penn State secondary has been the best thing about that team for the past couple of years. So he knows how to play good football. I'm really excited to watch him and then there's two wide receivers uh tez walker out of unc he had a weird college season he couldn't play for the first couple of weeks because of a weird transfer thing ultimately unc was able to get him to play and he had a really good season with drake may i don't know if fans want to go uh the unc teammate route again it worked okay with with hal and uh, diami brown but certainly not great certainly not burrow and chase uh, in cincinnati but it would be nice maybe in a later pick to get a familiar face for uh, Drake May if they decide to go him at number two. And I think he's just a naturally talented guy. And Ricky Purcell out of Florida. Uh, he was a guy that really stunned when you watched Florida. They didn't have the greatest quarterback situation, but he he has a big catch radius. There were a couple of plays that he made this season where he was, he was doing some crazy Odell Beckham-ish kind of things in college. I'm excited to see what he is going to look like this week. I hope he plays this week. I don't know who's going to play versus who's just there for the interview and practice portion, but I'd be really interested to see what he looks like with a little bit better quarterback play than what they had at the university of Florida this, this season. Catch radius was the last coach, by the way, just, just, just to realize that's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, we don't know at the, at the time we're recording this. I don't know who the coach is. Uh, they haven't hired anybody yet. That was at least the last guy. Uh, Denton, you rock. Uh, but I don't know when I'm actually going to run this because it's kind of just going to be dependent on the news beginning of the week with, with the coaching. So by the time this gets out to the world, they may have already hired somebody. Uh, are yeah. you going to be distraught if that somebody is not Ben Johnson at this point? Or are you comfortable with a couple of, with a couple of her names? I'm comfortable with a couple of other names. That's specifically why I hadn't mentioned any coaches yet up to this point, because I didn't know when you were going to run this. I wanted yeah, yeah. to you know, be coachable uh, in that regard. 
I would prefer Ben Johnson, especially if you were drafting a quarterback, because if you're drafting a quarterback at number two, the priority this year is going to be making sure that they develop. And I think Ben Johnson has proven with his work with Jared Goff that he can take a quarterback that most in the NFL thought was broken and turn him into a really good player. So imagine what he can do with a guy that's not broken and has a lot of really good uh, tendencies and capabilities. So my preference is Ben Johnson. I'm not upset if it's uh, Mike McDonald, though. I don't know how realistic that is uh, at this point. And I know they, they've they had some really good interest in Dan Quinn. Um, I'm not terribly upset if it's Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn is a really good football coach. And those that have played under him have spoke really highly about him. But I think there is a noticeable gap for me between Ben Johnson and Dan Quinn. All right. Go check Denton out on the uh, Kevin Sheehan show Monday to Friday, 10 to 1. I'm on there a couple times. A week, uh, Denton does a great job. You can tell that uh, Kevin's a fan because he gives De- Denton segments. Like he's got his <laughs> own segment, lets him chime in. That they, they, they're both fellow degenerates with the, with the gambling and everything. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're glad they found each other and they do great work over at the Team Nine Eighty. Um, my guy, I appreciate it. I'll let you know if I can find anything interesting in um in, in Mobile, but uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Yeah, Ben, appreciate it always, man. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Denton for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Um, More to come for sure. And, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting week, to say the least. In 2021, I was in Mobile when Washington made it official that they were switching to the commanders. Now I may be in Mobile when they say who their new head coach is. It's just how the calendar works. And uh, we will uh, react whenever news comes. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.